Hi, I'm Brian Levy. I'm a partner at Manchester Living and the host of the Manchester Living podcast. The purpose of the podcast is to help people navigate the complex maze of elder care. There is a lexicon of elder care terms on the website at manchesterlivingpodcast.com. Today, we are talking about what it means to be a gold standard caregiver, someone that's indispensable. But before we do that, we're going to go to New and Noteworthy. This is an inspiring story, and I felt compelled to share it with you today. Michael Carney stashes bucket list in a brown suede bag, 60 things to complete in his lifetime, but he never had the chance to finish it. At 54 years old, he was killed by a distracted driver. So 13 years later, when his daughter Laura found that list, it was just like, this feels important and this feels like something I need to do. And as soon as I thought of it, I saw my dad's face in the back of my mind, just smiling and nodding. Several items on the list were checked off, but 54 remained. So Laura got to work. Swim the width of a river, drive a Corvette, skydive. She crisscrossed the U.S., visiting several cities, then made her way across the Atlantic to do the same. I started developing this level of confidence in myself because I I had this feeling like my dad's not going to let me fail. For some items, Laura, a New Jersey native, was able to stay local. Down the street from her home, Laura planted an apple tree in this park, which is still growing. Even though my dad's list is over, that's always going to live on. One of the most daunting items, she says, have five songs recorded. She even traveled to Georgia to speak with former President Jimmy Carter in office when her father wrote the list. It felt momentous. It felt like my dad was there. It took six years, but Laura finally checked all the boxes and is writing a book about her experiences. What did it feel like when you finally completed this entire list? You know, I felt calm. I felt fulfilled. I could let go of my father in the way that I wanted to. I'm also embracing my future. Good on you, Laura. Love that story. All right. Today, we're talking to a real-life marketer and a real-life caregiver talking about what it means to be indispensable as a caregiver. Today, my guests are Sharon Ford, a.k.a. Miss America. Um, Sharon has been a caregiver with Cambridge Caregivers for all of 10 years now. Congratulations on your anniversary. And I have Stephanie Rossick, my colleague, my, um, my marketer for Cambridge Caregivers. She's also a caregiver and a client of Cambridge Caregivers on her family <laughs> side. So um, I've learned that marketers in the industry, um, industry is a term for someone who is a liaison or account manager. So for people that don't know the term marketer, Stephanie Rossick, thanks for being here today. Well, it's my pleasure. From the marketer standpoint, Stephanie, what does it mean to be indispensable? Yeah, that's a really good question, right? Because we can do our job and be sufficient at it or good at it. Um, But being indispensable is kind of a, it's a quality that means to me, you've gone beyond doing what is necessary and become a real partner um, and somebody whom at the end of the day, somebody else is saying, I don't know how I could have done this without her. To me, that's indispensable. And of course, it's a fluid term, right? Because it'll mean different things to different clients. Um, And for me, as a marketer, being indispensable starts with the very first phone call. Because usually what happens is I'm getting a phone call either from a spouse or an adult child or even from a client themselves of a client who is in crisis for whatever reason. They've reached this point, either it's a chronic illness and the caregiver is exhausted, or it's a sudden illness. 
um, something has happened immediate. Either way, I'm talking to someone who really needs help. And oftentimes, I'm the first step in what you refer to as the elder care maze. And that really is a, an apt description of it because I think sometimes when people enter this system of elder care, um, it's almost like being in a maze. You can only see two feet in front of you and you're not even sure if you're going in the right direction. Right. And so I'll be the first person they call and 99% um, of the time, I uh, am able to help them and I'm the kind of person they need. But a few times, you know, in any uh, given month, I'll get a phone call from somebody who really doesn't need me and I can be of assistance to them in finding where they need to be because I have those kind of contacts. Obviously, I've been in this field and so while they're in the middle of the maze, I'm kind of outside of it looking at them and saying, oh, I can help you. I can help you through this. And when they do need us, the very first thing for me for being indispensable is really talking to them and understanding what they need. I think so many marketers um, and so many people in this business don't take the time to really not only listen and ask questions, but to hear what the client needs. You know, obviously they need care, but the whole family kind of needs care. The person you're talking to on the phone needs care, mm -hmm. even if they're calling about their loved ones. So I can provide someone wonderful like Sharon to help them, but my very first step in being indispensable is to understand what they really, really need, what everyone in the family needs, in addition to what the client needs. And then my next step, of course, is to understand who they are, um, in addition to what they need. Are they someone who enjoys quiet? Are they somebody who really wants somebody to talk to, a caregiver that will talk to them? Um, is it somebody who's going to be active? Is it somebody who's going to need extra help transferring? So they maybe need somebody a little bit stronger or they'll feel more confident and comfortable with somebody who's stronger. And then part of being indispensable for me is going to the drawing board and kind of looking at who our caregivers are. Luckily, we have close to 200 caregivers at Cambridge, uh, which is where I work. And so I can kind of look at the caregivers and compare that to the needs of the client and decide what the client needs and assign a caregiver. And I'll tell you what, we have great caregivers, but there is a difference when you're being indispensable between being great and being indispensable. And if I could clone one person on my <laughs> staff, <laughs> it would be this person sitting next to me because Sharon Ford really understands what it means to be indispensable. And I send her uh, to my best clients. And if I needed a caregiver, this is the person I need because intuitively she seems to understand what a client needs and has that quality of going above and beyond. And we tell our caregivers at Cambridge all the time, strive to be indispensable. Find out what you need to do to be indispensable and do it. And for some people that comes easier than others. And with Sharon, it's kind of like she was born to figure that out. It, it is innate. It is. All right, it we're going to jump around just a little bit because we're going to go yeah. back and forth from the caregiver's perspective and a marketer perspective. Sure. So bear with me. Okay. <clears throat> Who are you and what do you do? My name is Sharon. My last name is Ford. I'm a caregiver for Cambridge Care. I love what I do. And I, it's just amazing 
the job. I like what I do. Um, what do I do? I take care of people. I take care of people. And what does that mean to you personally? Personally, it means a lot to me. Um, taking care of people, I move myself out of the way. I move self out of the way. And when I go into someone's home, I look at it as I'm a guest there. And I want to make sure that I'm taking care of that person being the best that I can be. Because at the end of the day, I think about, and I do ask myself a question as well, Sharon, did you do your best? Did you do your best to take care of that person? And that means a lot to me. What are some things that you think, qualities that you think make you indispensable? Going above and beyond for what the does client. That look like? And what it looks like, um, for example, if I go into a client's home, and I might see some laundry or something there, and the client will, you know, more than likely tell me, I'll get it later. And I ask them, how may I help you? Can I do this for you? You know, so that way they can understand exactly what I'm doing. So being solicitous. Yes. Asking, asking what, can, what more can I do? What more can I do? How can I do it? What's the best way that I can help you get it done? Right. That means a lot to me. I'd like to throw something Please. in about this also, because mm -hmm. for me as a marketer, mm -hmm. I want to hear from the families what we can do to be helpful. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I want to know that so I can tell Sharon, these are the kinds of things that they need. So I would think that as a family, you know, um, in your audience looking to hire a caregiving company and a caregiver, part of getting a caregiver that is indispensable to your family is laying out expectations. What do you need? What does your loved one need um, the most? Are there things, are there ways that we can be helpful around the house? Because oftentimes even the most wonderful caregiver will not think of the one thing that that family needs. You know, and, and so it's helpful when the family tells us. Communication is key. Back yes. to so communication. Important. And for so us as marketers to learn about our clients before the caregivers get there so we can tell the caregivers, hey, talking about the war is a trigger point. Or exactly. don't mention the Holocaust, but mm -hmm. definitely m mention chocolate ice cream or find out what the do's and don'ts are way ahead of time so you don't have to on job training. Yeah. Um, but the more you can learn about that engagement and tell Sharon ahead of time, we're setting everybody up for success. Correct. I exactly. like that. So starting out the engagement, first impressions are everything. What do you do when you are an assigned an engagement ahead of time to make sure that it's successful for you and the caregiver before, I mean, you and the client before you even get there? Before I even get there, the night before, what I would do, I would make sure my scrubs are clean, um, my badge is ready, the location, I get the destination to where I'm going, and I also try to arrive at least 15 to 20 minutes early, and I read their profile, exactly what care the client needs to be taken care. Once I arrive, I um, get out of the car or my vehicle and I go to the door and I I ask for the person that I'm looking for. Uh, is Mrs. or Mr. such and such there? And from there, I introduce myself and to the client. And I, from that point, you recognize you're a guest in their home mm -hmm. and you want them to be able to tell you and feel comfortable with you to be able to tell you what they need. Exactly. I introduce myself and I also, you know, as you said, I do let them know that I am a guest in their home and I let them know how long I'm going to be there as well. And please tell me exactly what you would like for me to do. Although I read the information the night before, it could change. The client, the client can easily change their mind. 
And from there, I just do my best. I do my best. Yeah. Stephanie? I was going to say, one of the things I've been um, with Sharon on a lot of assignments when she started, and one of the things that she always does is greet the client with a smile Mm -hmm. and give them a compliment or Mm -hmm. say something um, kind to them and engaging to them. Because for a lot of our clients, they're terrified. They don't know what to expect. Some of them have dementia. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really important that the person that we send out, that the caregiver we send out, becomes a green light for someone with dementia, right? As a trusted person from the very minute they get there. And so Sharon seems to understand that as well, as so many caregivers do, that they have to greet them with a smile and a hello and something friendly um, to kind of break the ice. Mm You know, we recognize that our clients across the board are typically in crisis mode Mm -hmm. or at a really high level of stress. And Mm -hmm. so when that door opens, what can we do to break the ice, make them feel comfortable welcoming a stranger into their home? And then what can we do to make their lives easier? They clearly called us for a reason. What can we do to be our best? Mm -hmm. And with that in mind, I think that's a great start to a smooth engagement. Okay, that is true, Brian. It's a great question as well. Um, More than likely, when I do go to the client's house, I look around. Uh, 99% of the time, the client does have an animal, a pet, a dog or a cat or a bird. So by breaking the ice, I'll ask them, oh, that's a beautiful dog that you have. Oh, I make a comment. That's a beautiful dog that you have. That's a nice cat. How old is your dog? How old is your cat? That's a nice bird, beautiful fish. It's just, I do that as the icebreaker for the client. And you know, eventually the client is just gonna say, well, not eventually, they're gonna say, this is my dog. I've had him or her for 10, 15 years, although the dog, you know, might be old, but we just break the ice from there. They, they're they at ease at that point. You're talking about something that's near and dear to them. Is, yes. Picture of kids on the wall, a yes. pet, something that's theirs. Sometimes clients nap. They want to be left alone. They want to watch Wheel of Fortune by themselves. Mm-hmm. What do you do with your time while the client's having downtime? While the client is having downtime, I can do laundry, upload the dishwasher, unload the dishwasher, and I, I can even sweep the floor or dust and just look around and see what I can do. If I need to, uh, I'll just look around and what I do, try to get familiar with what I need to do in the home. Um, a lot of the clients, when I first go in, they'll tell me exactly what they need to do. Sharon, I'm gonna take my nap about one or two o'clock. You know, before I take my nap, I wanna you know, eat lunch. And they eat lunch and then once they take their nap, I can have my lunch at that time as well. It just depends on the client itself. Sure. I'm glad you mentioned food. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about food. Some clients want caregivers to bring their own food. Mm -hmm. Some clients are very welcoming and want you to eat with them. Mm -hmm. How do you handle that whole situation? First of all, it starts with like prepping the night before when you're reading their profile. Um, It'll tell you if the client wants you to prepare food or not. Mm -hmm. Um, If they, if I, me personally, I pack my lunch with me wherever I go. That's just me. And from there, I go to the client's house and the client says, oh, you know what, Sharon? Just not, a lot of them ask, what are you eating over there? <laughs> right. It just depends on what them, it smells good. And I, you know, I'm willing to share and they might not eat what they want to eat. And I was like, uh, do you want some? And they'll be like, yeah. And they was like, oh, it's good. Can you prepare me some of that? Well, if you have all your things in the house, I can prepare exactly what you need. But cooking for the client, it's, I, I enjoy it because I enjoy cooking. And with that client, 
preparing their meals. It just depends. Uh, you know, a lot of the clients that I've ran into in the past or come across in the past, they they like fruit. They like sandwiches. Something. It just depends on the client itself. Preparing a meal for the client, I think we should do it. I personally think that we should do it. If to go the above and beyond yeah. for that particular client, you want that client to stay with us. And cooking, as a company, cooking as a company. can also be an activity, yes, an it, engagement. Exactly. Where even if they're not doing the cooking, they're they in, the in the kitchen. They can be involved. Mm -hmm. They can come in the kitchen and say, "Well, you know, Sharon, this is located in this cabinet, or this is located in the refrigerator, or this is located here." They can help you. They can guide you through the steps, although they're not physically able to cook the food for you. You can use it as an activity, something to do together. Even the laundry, we can fold clothes together and talk. You know, it's it's fun. It's very fun. Let's talk about talking, engaging <laughs> with a client. Yes. What I mean, you're there for sometimes eight or 12 hours. Yes. Asking a lot of questions. And before you know it. They're spilling their guts and telling exactly. everything of their life story. They're telling me their whole life story. I love it. I love it because I learn a lot from the client. When I'm talking personally one-on-one -on -one with the client, I learn exactly what they did in life. You know, they just, this just good experience for me that I can take and add to my belt as well on the next assignment that I go to. It and just depends. They're telling your life story, which yes. builds trust. Exactly. And now you'll have a partnership. Exactly. That's and then at the end of the shift, it was like, Sharon, do you really have to leave? Uh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> well, that's not the definition right there. Right? That's being right? indispensable. I do, I do, exactly yeah, right. I do have to leave, but I'll be back if you want me back. And, and it was like, well, who do I call? And I said, contact corporate office. <laughs> corporate office. <laughs> call, call Stephanie. <laughs> Stephanie, I'm going to throw this question at both of you. Stephanie, I'll start with you. If you were hiring a caregiver to take care of your loved one, what would your expectations be and how would you communicate those expectations to the caregiver and to someone like you, a marketer? Yeah, that's a great question. So, and having been in this business for a while, mm -hmm. I think my answer is a little different from somebody on the street because I know what it's okay to ask for and what it's okay to expect. Um, I would want somebody who obviously would be punctual, mm -hmm. would be competent, right, to do whatever it is that I need to do. Competent meaning the skill sets that call exactly. for that care plan. That's exactly right. If I have a person who, um, a loved one who needs to use a Hoyer lift, I want a caregiver who knows how to use a Hoyer lift. Mm -hmm. You know, I, if I have a client who, uh, or a loved one who has um, dietary needs, I want a caregiver who can help me meet their dietary needs, whatever it is. So I would ask that right up front. Here's what I need. Here's what's important to me. I want a caregiver that will be consistent. I don't want a revolving door. And I hear this from clients all the time. I don't, I want one caregiver will be with me forever and I don't want a revolving door. And I always try and set expectations. That's really hard yeah. for me because with that phone, first phone call, and usually they're kind of in crisis already, they're not planning for the future. Every once in a while, someone's planning for an operation or something in the future. But for the most call, the vast majority of my, uh, most part for the vast majority of my calls are looking for someone right away. And we tend to schedule a week out. So I always warn them the first week, you're not going to get your person that's your everyday person unless I get really lucky and that person's available right now. Um, but long term, 
and I can always understand that. And I would I would be understanding sitting on the other side of the desk that okay, I mean I'm not expecting them to work miracles, but right. ultimately I would like one two consistency, one two people who are coming out. Um, if you work a 24 hour shift, you're going to have at a very minimum four five six people coming out to your house. That's just the nature of the beast in terms of hours, overtime. I mean, when you put it all together, right? that's that's the math. That's exactly right. So I I would have that expectation that I'll see different people, but I would want some consistency. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely would demand communication. So if I'm away from my loved one and I'm hiring a caregiver because I can't be there with them, I want to know, is there a change in condition? I can't see them. Oftentimes, my clients are only talking to their loved one on the phone and that may be limited you know the information they can get from that may be limited and so i as a client would want the caregivers reporting back to me do you see any changes are there anything that give you concerns are they getting enough nutrition um do they need to see a doctor you know we had just this weekend a situation where the nurse called us we had a nurse on duty with this client an rn and she called and said i really kind of feel like this this client needs to go to the hospital and see a doctor and you know our clients can get dehydrated whatever i would want a caregiver that recognizes that right Right. and says we need to take some steps here and and get some extra care so proactive mm -hmm, yeah, yeah yeah responsive and caring. Yeah. I mean, I want Sharon, really and truly, if I could clone anybody <laughs> as a caregiver, <laughs> right. it'd be Sharon Ford because she's she checks all those boxes. All the boxes. Yeah. Sharon, mm-hmm. if you were looking for a caregiver, what qualities in a caregiver would you want for your loved one? Communication. Communication is the key to me. As Stephanie was saying earlier in regards to an update, me, this is what I do. When I'm with someone, I text that person and let them know this is what your spouse has eaten for today because they, they'll let me know, Sharon, can you please text me? Mm-hmm. I write it down as well and let them know this is what is going on with Mr. and Mrs. Such or such and such. Mm-hmm. And um, I just communicate with them. I make sure that they're, they know what's going on that I understand exactly what I need to identify. Keep them in the loop. To keep yes, to keep them in the loop. Communication is the key. That's most that's the most important thing to me. Communicating and making sure that I'm taking care of the client. So the mm-hmm. caregiver is not left guessing. Exactly. Oh goodness, you know, Mr. Smith just left me with Mrs. Smith and now he didn't tell me what she likes for lunch or what we should do after lunch. Exactly. And so like mm-hmm. a deer in headlights, you're mm-hmm. just going to have to guess because Mrs. Smith isn't going to tell you. Mm-hmm. That's I, not a successful engagement. I'd like to add that communication works both ways. Yeah, exactly. So that I really want the client to call me if they sense a problem in the house mm-hmm. um, immediately instead of sitting on it and letting it fester and and to the point where they get frustrated, I want them to call me right away and say, this is what being indispensable, you know, this is what I would like your caregiver to be doing. Um, And then I can counsel the caregiver. Sharon may not have thought of this thing that the family wants done, and they may not even have thought of it when that first phone call to me, when I asked them to tick off the list of things that are important, they might've just forgotten to mention it. And so a couple of days into the assignment, they're like, gosh, why isn't this happening? I want them to call me 
and, and back so to I the, can, the yeah, theme of communication. Yeah. I like to say I want the families to communicate with all of us mm -hmm. freely and openly. Mm -hmm. And if you walk in the front door, it's the care. It's the client's responsibility to communicate with you and you communicate with them exactly. as well as with Stephanie. So if exactly. they're not comfortable telling you something, mm -hmm. they can at least tell Stephanie and she can help guide the engagement to make it successful for everybody. Mm -hmm. That's true. Communication's key. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you both this question. Okay. Most memorable engagement. <laughs> and I know you've had a lot. So. Yes, I've had a lot. Um, I was watching this client and Mrs. Such and Such had a cat. And she said, uh, Sharon, my cat is in labor. And I looked around the room. I'm like, my cat is in labor? It's not a real cat. It's a stuffed animal. And she said, please, please. She keeps saying, meow, meow. <laughs> so immediately I went to the bathroom. I got two towels out, one red towel, one white towel. And I wrapped uh, the cat, the stuffed animal, up in the red towel. And once I wrapped the towel around the stuffed animal, and she said, Sharon, how's she doing over there? I said, she's doing good. I exchanged towels. I put a white towel around and said, here's your new kitten. And she was like, oh, you delivered her safe. I said, yes, hold your baby. This is your new kitten. She never thought about the uh, the cat being in labor anymore. She didn't know that it was the same cat. She just was focused on it being a kitten. So a so new kitten. That is Dementia 101. Yes. As Sandy would say, <laughs> meet them where they are. Yes. You met her where she was. Yes. All right, one more. You've mm -hmm. got another really good one. The second story that I had is when... Um, my client, I arrived at their home and he was laying in the bed. And he said, um, I introduced myself and I said, Mr. Such and Such, my name is Sharon Ford. I'm with Cambridge Care. I'm here from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. tonight. And I read your profile and look like you're resting very comfortable there. And is there any kind of way I can get you up today? He said, you know what, Sharon, today I'm going to tr make my transition. And I looked and I said, transition? He said, yeah, today is my last day here. I'm gonna really make a transition. I'm gonna die today. I said, okay, not on my time, <laughs> not on my time. So from there, I said, we have to get you ready for your transition. He said, what do you mean by that? I said, we got to get you up. You got to take a shower. Let's get you dressed up. So you, once you make your transition, you can look really good. And he got up, showered, got dressed, brushed his teeth, and thought about nothing else for the day. He just kept saying, I look so good. I said, yes, you do look good. And, and you went back the next day I and the next, the next day, day and he lived the next a happy, day healthy life. Yes. <laughs> he's just having a bad day. Yeah. And he's still living to this day. <laughs> you, 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 you really do make it. You really yes. do make a difference in people's lives. Yes. Um, Stephanie, as a marketer, what do you do to be indispensable to clients? Well, as I said before, I really try and start from the very beginning to understand what they need. Mm -hmm. And I want to be their person. And, and mm -hmm. I'm proud to say I hear this all the time. I don't know what I would have done without you. I, I was so overwhelmed. And I called you and you made me feel better. You made me feel like I could get the help that I need. Um, 
And that really, for me, being indispensable means doing what I need to do to bring the client to that point. As a marketer, how do you encourage the caregivers to be indispensable? When you've got a lot of engagements, a lot of introductions, what, what is your message to each caregiver on each engagement? Well, my message is always look for what you can do. Look for the, the thing that, that has you given just a little bit more than anyone expects you to give. Mm-hmm. You know, look for one thing you can do in a day that really makes that day better for that person. And sometimes, frankly, it's more intuitive for some caregivers than others. Mm -hmm. And so for some caregivers, I need to say, you know, here's a list of things that you might consider doing that could be helpful. And here's something that I noticed when I was with the client. I noticed that the client really likes cooking, you know, so maybe you could sit with them and go through cookbooks and do that together. You know, some of my clients with dementia, for example, have different needs, you know, as far as how you're going to communicate with them. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I can work with the caregiver to understand better kind of how to meet those needs as well as physical needs, obviously. Sure. Mm -hmm. What if it's not a good match? Well, since we are in the matchmaking business. Sure, that absolutely happens. And, you know, sometimes it can be something just that you would never even have thought of. I, you know, I can't, um, as she talks too much, she talks too little. Um, nails too her, long. Nails too long. Driveway. Her hair yeah. is too long. It can be any. It can be any one of number of things that we would not have thought of in mm-hmm. making that assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm always so grateful when the family calls me and says this is not working, because the alternative is I know they're living through it and thinking these people are awful. They can't get me the right person. Sure. And we're not. I mean, I'd be happy to fix it, but I always tell people I can't fix a problem that I don't know exists. So unless you tell me there's a problem, I can't fix it. And so when there's not a good match, that's okay. We have, like I said, close to 200 caregivers, right? So we have other caregivers, but oftentimes I can work with that same caregiver to help them to better meet the needs of the client. And again, it could be something that we just didn't anticipate going in was going to be a need. Communication Mm -hmm. is key. Mm -hmm. So important. Sharon. Yes. What if it's not a match? If it's not a match... You call, you call the office and say, I just don't think this is a match for whatever reason? Um, what I'll do is I'll contact the marketer mm-hmm. and let them know exactly what's going on and ask them, what can I do? Will you, can you give me some tips on what can I do to make it better so it can become a match? As Stephanie was saying earlier, sometimes it just doesn't work out. And it's okay that it doesn't work out, but what we can do is make it better. Yeah, we can try. That's we great. We can try our best to make it better. That's great. Stephanie, what haven't I asked you that I should? In your position as a marketer, as a client, as a caregiver, as a leader in the industry, mm-hmm. what message do you want to share? Well, I think in this context, the question maybe that you could have asked was, how does a family know if this is the right caregiving company? How does a family know if they're in the right place? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that should be evident from the first phone call you have with the marketer that there should be a level of interest that that marketer is taking in right off the bat in what you need, what we can do to help you and to be successful. And if you're not hearing that, if you're just hearing, okay, tell me the hours, tell me the location, um, you know, name, address, look, 
that should be a red flag that I am not in a place where people are listening to me, hearing me, asking me the questions I didn't even know that I should be concerned with, you know, or, or be thinking about. Trust your gut. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. Sharon, what haven't I asked you that I should? How do I evaluate myself at the end of my shift? So you do a self-evaluation at the yes. end of the shift. Walk me through that. Um, at the end of the shift, what I do, I just ask myself, did I do give it my 100% being indispensable to the client? And that, and in regards to that, I ask myself, Sharon, was the client pleased with you? Did the client communicate with you? Did you take care of what the client needed that day? And like I said, at the end of the shift, the client always tell me, I wish you were coming back. That's out of all the clients that I've had. They always ask for me back. So that's my self-evaluation of myself. Sharon, how did you do? That's called being indispensable. That, my friends, is called being indispensable. I hope I did that right. That was great. <laughs> All right, on to, the, on to the nugget portion okay. of this broadcast. Uh, let's put up, uh, Ziggy, if you put up this visual, it is only a short trip. Enjoy it. That was really powerful, and I wanted to share that with you. Today, live your dash. All right, on to the lightning round. This is an opportunity for viewers to get to know y'all outside of this world of caregiving and clinical um, elder care. So I'm going to start with start with Stephanie and okay. go to Sharon on okay. all of these. Stephanie, where were you born and raised? San Antonio, Texas. Sharon, where were you born and raised? Forest City, Arkansas. Welcome to town. Um, Stephanie, offspring? Uh, yes, I have four daughters. And a dog named Max. And a dog named Sharon. Kids? Two. All Boy right. and a girl. Boy and a girl. Uh, Stephanie, road trip or fly? Fly. Road trip. <laughs> uh, Stephanie, are you still in touch with childhood friends? All the time. All the time as well. Um, Stephanie, spicy food or plain Jane? Spicy. Spicy. All right. Stephanie, call or text? Oh, text. <laughs> <laughs> Both. Both. All right. Stephanie, have you ever broken a bone? I have. Sharon? Y yes. Oh, fragile. Uh, favorite ice cream flavor? Pralines and cream. Salted caramel. Wow. Ooh, that's yummy. Um, Stephanie, can you change your tire? I can. Can you change a tire? I, that's the first thing I learned how to do when I start driving. Beautiful. <laughs> Stephanie, iPhone or Android? iPhone. Android. Oh, goodness. Um, Stephanie, are you sentimental or do you toss the kids arts projects? Oh, no, I'm sentimental. Sentimental. Oh, no. All right. Stephanie, karaoke, yes or no? No. <laughs> yes. Oh, goodness. All right. Who's your mentor? You are, Brian. Bless your heart. Who's your mentor? <laughs> I have several. <laughs> <laughs> Name one. Adam Lampert. Oh, goodness. Adam Lampert is our CEO. <laughs> I guess we're not editing that question. <laughs> Stephanie, proudest career accomplishment. Oh, my gosh. Really and truly, it is every time a family member says to me, I don't know what I would have done without you. Right. Every so single gratifying. time. So mm -hmm. gratifying. Proudest career accomplishment. Working for this company because it's just not a company that you work for, it's family, we're, we're family here, and I love it. Mm -hmm. So I guess I should have said at the beginning of this broadcast, but I'm gonna say it now, I typically don't do advertisements or anything self-promoting for Manchester or Cambridge. 
clearly this episode is a little bit different and I hope that you will give us a little bit of leeway because I think this is an important conversation to have and share with y'all today. So it's a little advertorial, <laughs> but it's so important to discuss and we well, talk about it all the time. Well, also, and you could not have found a caregiver necessarily who is indispensable if you didn't know her if i didn't know her right that's right so we also don't usually have cups out here but we're going to take sharon's dna off of this cup and, <laughs> so I can and send it to the lab so that's why we're doing it. thank you both for being here today thank i appreciate you, you being candid fun. and sharing with the audience if you want to see this episode or any past episodes you can look up manchester living podcast on youtube facebook or wherever get your social media Thanks for watching today. If there's ever anything I can do for you, don't hesitate to reach out directly.